What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Annazelli and Michael Nowen. We have another great show for you, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Guys, we have a lot, a lot, a lot to cover today from transfer news to the Premier League. We have a relegation battle, title battle, Champions League spots, us still up for grabs. United States men's national team roster just dropped. We have dual nets choosing the United States over some other European powerhouses. So let's get it started. Early reports, Messi to Inter Milan the summer of 2023 when his PSG contract is supposedly supposed to run out. Since it's been disputed by his inner circle, he does own at least one condo, if not two, in Miami. What are your guys' takes, thoughts about the possibility of it? I mean, I would cry getting to see him <laughs> Just absolutely just every goal would be like that one against Sevilla where he just dribbles through 12 people at a time, basically. It'd be amazing. I don't, I think it's a little early for him personally to be coming to the MLS. I think like Ronaldo, while he's not at the top of his game, like obviously he has been for 20 years as expected. He still has so much to offer on the European stage and play for some massive clubs. So I would be a little disappointed to see him go next at the end of next season, but um, what a treat that would be. I think somehow, some way he finds his way back to Barcelona on some type of wage cut. And that, I, yeah, you heard it here first. And then I think from there, he'll play like one more season, do another little goodbye, farewell tour, and then make his way to the MLS, probably at around the same time Ronaldo goes, because, you know, obviously those two are getting cahoots. And Ronaldo's even said he wants to play in the MLS, if I'm not mistaken, at some point in his career when he's a little bit older. So I think it'll happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. And I think the MLS, I think Miami's the perfect place for them, honestly. Brand new stadium, Beckham's the owner. You know, it's pretty much another Spanish country in Miami anyway. So Doubles as a vacation uh, for him. <laughs> <laughs> How so, awesome would be to see them link up together, though? That would be absolutely nuts. That would be amazing. Oh, my God, the power struggle? Oh, <laughs> Who yells at who first? Be Beckham's, inter- Beckham's mediating, like... <laughs> Beckham's ownership would go from like I don't know how much he has of the of the club, but if Messi takes thirty five, Ronaldo takes another thirty five, he he wouldn't be left with much more. Yeah, well, I mean, it is interesting because all the reports coming out of United right now about Ronaldo because he's also entering entering the last year of his contract with United is that they're going to keep him this year, but then he's free to do what he wants. So you'd have to expect that maybe that's the time for him also to go. And obviously, him and Beckham have an affinity of playing at Manchester United. So do you think it'd be more likely to see if both are on the table? Who's more, who are you more likely to see at interim uh, Miami? I think Ronaldo is more likely. I think he wouldn't pass it up because he knows, not to say Messi doesn't, but I feel like he's more ingrained in the American market. And he, from like a financial perspective, it'd probably be better for him to go to the U.S. than Messi. Not to say it wouldn't be fruitful for both, but Ronaldo, I feel like has a little bit bigger of a market share in the U.S. than Messi does. And I think he knows it. Oh, so no. he, sorry. Oh. I don't know. He's Mr. Hollywood. I can see him in LA. <laughs> he would, he would do great in LA. He really would. But yeah. They each join an LA team. One goes to FC, one goes to galaxy. Oh my oh, God. God. El Trafico <laughs> would be absurd. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. Leave like 24 hours before to get the, get the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, some other transfer news, another big, big name uh, Mbappe to decide his future before international break can be PSG or it looks like to be Real Madrid. What's your guys' thoughts? Where do you think he should go? Um, I think if he was going to be a legend, 
he would stay at PSG and try to win them the one last time, the Champions League. But I think money talks and not that PSG haven't offered him an outrageous sum of money in general. Which they have. Uh, which they have, exactly. But I feel like he's always said Real Madrid's his boyhood dream. It's his childhood dream. He's idolized Ronaldo. I can't see any reason why he wouldn't go link up with Vinny Jr., go link up with Benzema, go link up with Modric, Cruz, Casemiro. I mean, that team is fucking built. Not to say PSG isn't, but there's just a more cohesity and chemistry, you feel like, in there. And I feel like, you know, the fact that Real Madrid has the pedigree in the Champions League that it does, that's probably going to attract him a little bit more than winning the Champions League with PSG, at least right now. He might pull a LeBron, go down, you know, like how LeBron went to the Heat, wins, wins the league, goes back to Cleveland. This might be his version of doing that. I, I, I get, I get the whole, the whole argument, right? And so a lot of the, the press coming out about this was saying that, you know, he's dead set on that Real Madrid move. And obviously why wouldn't you think, but recently today, I'm reading a lot of reports saying like he's had a, a complete 180 PSG, according to a lot of reports have basically offered him like footballing director rights, essentially like football yeah. operations. Like you can do whatever the hell you want. Tell us who you want <laughs> take care of it, which you know, it makes sense because when you think about it, he's leaving for free. The best player at this moment in time, probably the best player in the world is leaving the club for free. That is an absurd concept when if it wasn't, if it, let's say he's two years in his contract, he's 100, 200 million pounds. He's, two, he's 200, he's 200. Breaking Neymar's record by a yeah. mile, you know? 200, easy. Yeah, so... PSG is talking about offering him a short-term contract. If I'm if I'm Mbappe, I actually consider the short-term contract for for a year or two, right? Even if it's a three-year deal, one or two years, because while while Real Madrid's in the Champions League final, right? We know Real Madrid the pedigree of that club. There's a lot of questions marks right now about the future of that club, given Modric's age, Casemiro's age, Cruz's age, um, Marcelo's out the door, Furlan Mendy's having some injury problems. They're a fantastic team, an unbelievable team. Obviously, they're in the Champions League final. But is going to that team at the very beginning of a rebuild possibly his best solution to winning a Champions League title? I would say it'd have to be with staying with PSG at this point in time for at least a year or two. Obviously, they're having issues, but I think you're better off with them at this stage in the game than trying to win it next year with Real Madrid. And that's saying a lot considering they're in the final. Here's a question for you. If, you, if Let's say Mbappe stays at PSG. Do you think, obviously, it seems like Pochettino is probably out the door? realistically do you think they bring in Zidane and then Zidane coaches that team and that is like the kicker from Mbappe to stay because you know it's obviously they have that French connection Mbappe probably looks up to him I I don't know I I think it would definitely help but I think at this stage in the game it's a little too late to make that determination because Mm -hmm. you would have to be I mean we don't know what happens behind closed doors over there obviously but that would, that would mean someone on the board has to pretty much be giving Mbappe the lowdown saying, look, we already spoke with Zidane. He's going to come in next year. We're keeping mm-hmm. this under wraps, which I don't know is necessarily the case because the fact that he's making his, his decision, it almost strikes me as he's made up his mind. He, he's, he's done. He's over. He wouldn't be acknowledging this like immediately after the season ended if he didn't already know where he wanted to be. You know, and you take the summary to think about it, et cetera. But um, – yeah, I think that would change the whole the whole outlook of the things. If, if Zidane's coming in, three Champions League winners with Real Madrid, national idol, his idol, yeah, World Cup winner, winner, yeah, World Cup winner, he'd stay. Yeah. But I, I think, think he's not. Real. Yeah, I, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. 
We'll find out. Uh, like I said, before uh, international break, he is declaring which way, which way he is going. So we will see sure enough. Um, also, another chance, Champions, League, Champions League knockout format is proposed. Another new one, shockingly, uh, at this point. Uh, it's going to be more of a bracket style, kind of like a tennis or like a March Madness where teams are ranked one through whatever. Um, and it goes on through there. There's not going to be any draws um, after the round of 16. So what's your guys' take on that? I kind of like the idea behind it because also the other part you didn't mention is that the ability for teams to be protected by their country and like their league is taken out in that scenario. So you could have hypothetically two English teams playing each other in the quarterfinals around a 16 or whatnot. Right. Um, so on and so forth. But I feel like, again, <clears throat> they have the format in place for a reason. And so far, like we've stated on the podcast previously, there has been so many great games and so many great things that have happened. And I feel like all the tinkering and the tweaking they're doing like that, there's no reason for it right now. That's perfect the way it is in my opinion. And I can't see at least right now, what more value it could provide. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thoroughly annoyed. I, I am wholeheartedly against it. Like I, I understand the need to expand the format. I like the way they decided they're going to bring the new four teams in and give another other clubs, and other countries a chance. I, I get the whole appeal behind it idealistically. Um, but it's like communism. It doesn't work. Right. Like on, on paper, it looks great, but that's, that's it. You're talking about, what if we have commie listeners, Vito? That's so interesting. <laughs> Poon dropped their internet. It's over. <laughs> no, no, but in all, in all seriousness, like the, the, the format set up, I, I love the idea of a draw. I think it makes complete sense. If you're the best team that's going to win the Champions League, you're going to beat anyone that stands in your way. Look at Real Madrid. You put them up against last, year, last year's holders in Chelsea, this year's favorites in Manchester City. Also favorites in PSG, PSG. And find a way through. If you're going to win the tournament, it doesn't matter who you're getting faced against. Now you're going to have a preset format where you know exactly what your path is. And you're, you're just like, oh, okay, well, well, great. There's, there's no mystery to the draw. I mean, we're just going to play whoever based on how they finish in the table. And eventually you're going to get a, have an upset here and there. But for the most part with the seating top to low, you're going to end up like March Madness. We're 99 times out of a hundred that first seed's going to be the last seed and so on and so forth. And it's just, I think it takes a lot out of the tournament to see some of these, some of these matchups that we, we want to see where we get PSG versus Real Madrid in the first round. Like that's amazing, but it's, it's gone. And I, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. I also think it takes away from the smaller teams like a Villarreal who made that incredible run, right. Or, any other smaller team that makes those incredible runs in the pre previous years, like the Ajax is like, you're not going to see that as much, unfortunately, because um, they don't have the opportunity to get drawn against those lower level teams where they could make that Cinderella story. And I feel like that's kind of, kind of shitty. Do you guys think we'll have any type of March Madness feel to it though now or no? If, if it was to be, to be accepted, like, it's just like the, the 12, five upset, like, right. It's a typical cat. Like everyone usually loves to pick or something like that. Um, any, any any potential chance in that in that scenario? No, because I feel like in those games, like in March Madness, like correct. And he's gone. And he's out. No, um, but I, I don't I don't think he um you're back, Mike. I don't uh -huh. I don't think it's gonna have that type of feeling overall just because look, anyone can beat anybody else on any given day, right? It's what we love about sports so much. I think soccer is one of those 
games. Football is one of those games where that still is true, but it's much less prevalent than other sports. And if it's a two-legged tie, I think those top seeds are going to go through it. The only way for it to have that feel, in my opinion, is a one-off. And I don't like the idea of a one-off. I, I think it, it, you need, if you're going to play a game, you need one in front of your home fans and one in front of the away fans. That's, that's just how it should be. That is 100% fair, 100% level footing. And it gives some of these smaller clubs like Malmo, if they were in the Champions League, to go to a stadium like the Santiago Bernabeu, you know? And I think you're going to miss that. And I think people are going to realize that pretty quickly. And hopefully UEFA does as well, that it's, it's not really a format that works. The World Cup's the round of 16. It's a one, it's a one, one-off game though. I mean, Grand's neutral stadiums and everything. It's in a whole country. Yeah. If you do something along those lines though, could be the same. Yeah, I know. I get that. It's, I think the world cup's a little bit of an exception to that, given that it's, it's a host nation type of thing where if you're going to, if you're going to implement that, it'd have to be a host nation for the champions league as well, which doesn't make any sense either in my opinion. No. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then last thing I want to cover real quick, just kind of a little touch upon uh, Huddersfield versus Nottingham Forest. Set to play the richest game in football. They are in the championship playoff to get promoted to the Premier League. Winner uh, will be with us next season. Any takes on that? I would really like Huddersfield to win because, if I'm not mistaken, is is it David Wagner who's the coach for Huddersfield? Isn't he American? If I'm not, or David Wagner? If I'm not mistaken, maybe. Well, if I'm not answering because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if leads go down, then an American coming up will be good. Um, but I'm I'm not I'm not entirely positive on that at the moment. Unless I'm totally off. No, you're completely off. It's Carlos Cor- Corberon. Corberon. <laughs> that, that literally is not close at all. <laughs> all, right. all right. David Wagner. So go Nottingham Forest. <laughs> okay. I would read Horvath on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sorry. He coached Huddersfield Town, and that was back in like 2019. He's My coaching. Guy. He's coaching young boys now. BSC young boys, but um, P folk, different young boys. I think. Um, no, same young boys. Same young boys. Yeah. Is there more than one young boys? I mean, the Grant. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely only one. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> right. you're right. But anyway, no. I, I mean, having Nottingham Forest back in the the top flight, back to prestige, would be amazing. I mean, they won two Champions Leagues. Well, at that point, they were called the UEFA Cup, right? Or the European Cup, or whatever. Um, would be would be amazing, right? That's a, that's an incredibly storied franchise. I mean, the same way you would love to see Sunderland back in the big time, given their history as well. Um, so for me, I don't really have a preference. I think the format of a two a two game knockout to see who gets promoted is a fantastic idea, and whoever deserves it deserves it. But mm-hmm. I would like to see Nuke um, Nottingham Forest from a personal perspective. I would not because I, from a personal perspective, I want Jed Spence to join Tottenham. So, well, you're wrong. So, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> your opinion sucks. <laughs> yeah. On a, on a side note, too, other teams getting in a playoff battle Ryan Reynolds and I think it's Rob McKellery, if I'm pronouncing the name right, from Always Sunny, they're Rexingham mm-hmm. fighting for a place in, I think it's League Two at Wembley, too, which is kind of a cool story for them. But, yeah, Sunderland uh, is actually going at it to get promoted back to the Champions League uh, championship. Champions well, League? So. No way. Yeah, Champions League. <laughs> Sun- the new Sunderland till I die is going to be epic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad as no longer a thing, man. <laughs> that and what was the other one that was on Netflix for a little while? Uh, League of League of Their Own, uh, Class of '92, I think it was. They own they own a club. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Salford City. They're actually in the um, 
in League Two right now as well. Yeah, they've hit a couple stumbling blocks. They went up the ladder pretty quick, but um, it, it seems to have petered out for them slightly. They, I mean, they had a good season, but we shall see. Um, moving on, stars and stripes section. We have a lot to talk about here. We have the United States men's national team roster drop. A um, couple surprises, but first off, we do have some dual nationals that commit to the U.S. Uh, we have Malik Tillman, 19-year-old midfield and forward, um, chose U.S. over Germany. He was born in Germany, but father was born in the States. Um, wasn't called in for the U21 Euro qualifiers for Germany. I'm not sure if that swayed him at all towards which team he was going for. But um, he's been with Bayern Munich Academy since he was 15. Made some starts from this past season. Typically plays on their um, reserve squad, their Bayern Munich 2 team. I think it's in the third division over in Germany. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's a great pick. Because if he plays that forward position, I mean, that is wide, wide open right now, the number nine. I think anytime you get a dual national who has pedigree, especially at one of these larger clubs, uh, Bayern in particular, you take it. Not, not, no questions asked. Given where the U.S. is, um, I think it's a phenomenal pickup. And as much as we like to rip on Greg Berhalter, um, him and the U.S. Federation Soccer Federation, fantastic job recruiting him, and also the other player we'll speak about in a second. So I'll, I'm all for it. Especially considering he's gonna. He's designated, you know, he's a player in a position where we desperately need it at this time, especially considering the P-Folk injury. So, agreed, agreed. And then, second one, Mike Ray alluded to Gaga. So, how do you say his last name? Solnina. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, your, your guess is as good as mine, man. We're good. All right, we'll <laughs> go with that. Uh, he's an 18 year old goalkeeper. He plays for the Chicago Fire over here in the United States, chose us over uh, Poland. He is attracting plenty of looks already, though, from top European clubs. Um, just a matter of time before he makes the move overseas. I think it's actually it's an interesting one for me because obviously we do have a lot of young goalkeepers on our stuff on our team, Stefan Turner and even Horvath too. They're all under thirty. Um, whereas if he went to Poland, there's a good chance after the World Cup this year he'd probably be their starting keeper for the next probably if he lives up if he, if yeah. he lives up to everything he's supposed to be probably um, for the next like ten years. So either he does not afraid of the competition, thinks he can just take over the starting spot, which would be you know cool to see, or um, he's gonna be fighting for a spot for quite a long time. Yeah, I think it's a great pickup. He's had a bunch of clean sheets in the MLS this season already. Um, and he's, what, 17, 18, if that? I think he just turned 18. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's one for the future. Like you said, a bunch of big clubs are circling him already. Um, so for him to put the commitment pen to paper to be with the U.S. is a major sign of like where the country is going in the right direction. And I think he's probably looking a little bit further ahead, too, and seeing like, hey, World Cups in 2026 in the U.S. I could be starting as the main keeper in my home country. I don't know. Something it's to possible. think about. It is possible. So I find it. So Malik Tillman's even more interesting too. I don't think um, the keeper had to do this, but Malik's actually following a one-time switch from Germany to the U.S. So it's going to be permanent for him. Mm. Interesting. So he actually has to go through that process though. But like Mike kind of said already too, we do shit on Berhalter a lot for sometimes just the lineups that we see, the tactics and all that kind of stuff. But Realistically, his recruiting seems to be second to none lately, uh, with especially with these dual nationalists. Get someone like Ricardo Pepe, who you know fell out of form recently after his big move over to Europe, but still extremely young. That's you know going to happen. Guy Tillman, Solina, I mean, that's awesome. He might not be around in the future, but he's he's setting us up for it. Yep, young core, continue building it out with young prospective talent, and I mean, these are two really strong candidates to, to start doing so. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Um, and then from the roster drop today, it's nice to see a few new names that we've been talking about already for a little while who deserve to be called up. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Haji Wright, definitely the top two in those aspects. 
Uh, Tillman did actually get called up. Solnina did not. Maybe a little interesting kind of move on that. I, you think both of them might have been, but um, we'll see. And then um, who's the one? Who's the other guy? The Jordy, Jordy Malovich. Yeah. yeah, who deserves it? He's, he's playing really, really well yeah. for I Chicago. Think, I think he was the leading, leading assist later last year in um, MLS. Yeah, he's, he's playing really well. I don't know if we necessarily – I mean, he plays a position where, you know, do we need him in the space he needs because we have Luca De La Torre and McKinney when he's healthy who can play the box-to-box. Um, but I think he brings something a little bit more special in terms of forward and his ability to obviously find the final three ball and finish as well because he, he scores goals from the midfield as well too. So he's a good Yeah, I th- he might be like kind of depending on the formation or the matchup that we're going into. But um, yeah. we'll see how he fits into the roster. It, yeah. The midfield stacks for us right now. It's the first time we've probably been able to say that for a hell of a long time. Yeah. Um, some of the omissions, Brooks, obviously, I think we can probably pretty much just stop commenting on that at this do, point. It's, do you think he makes the World Cup roster at all? Do you think there's, unless there's a shot? Injuries, no. no. I, dude, I, I, this is the last thing I really want to say on this and just personally, but just come out and say what's going on. Like, there's no yeah. reason for him not to be on the roster, especially with Miles Robinson gone now, too. Like, it, like there is zero reason for him not to be there. I don't, I just, I'll never understand it. I I thought this was it. I thought this was the chance. If you are ever going to do it, you do it now. Friends, center back injuries. Why on earth is this guy not in the roster? At least to be on the roster. Yeah. His reasoning was that he's like, oh, I, he doesn't fit our play style. Part of his reasoning was he switching clubs. What play style? Not letting in goals? Isn't that like the main play style here <laughs> like for a defender? Yeah, it, whatever. I mean, at this point, we knew. I mean, we ran. We we all knew it was happening, but it just. I don't know. It seems sad to be honest with you. I like. To, I would just like to know what's going on. That's all. Uh, just from like a fan perspective, like we all think he should be there. Why is he not there? Just come out and say, it. like, you guys are all adults here. Like, yeah. is there a rift? Is there something out? Like, just locker room, whatever. Um, P. Folk, I think he's injured, right? I'm not. If I'm he not is. mistaken, yeah, he's not right. Yeah. Um, Pepe would be another snub, I guess. But I guess you know, with his form and everything going on, not. Seems justified. Uh, Sergeant's got a lot to figure out right now. What's going on with Norwich? They're impending relegation, or they're re- they have relegation. Um, but he's—I mean—he's been playing well. I guess the last couple, say month and a half or so. So I'm not gonna say he's a sn- uh, snub necessarily, but wouldn't be a shock if he was in the uh, lineup as well. How are we feeling about it overall as a whole? Honestly, I'm—I think it's a really good, given the injuries and everything going on, and the other context to that lineup and those lineups in general i think it's a really good like roster and i think the fact that he brought in a couple players who we haven't seen in a while and players we haven't seen for probably i don't know years right cameron carter vickers mahalovich i don't know when the last time they played is for the u.s but yeah mahalovich that'd be at least what two summers ago? at least at, at least three. yeah so i personally am all for it and i think they should should be using this as a testing ground to see where they could fit in those certain positions. Obviously the nine spot is up for grabs more, more or less. And then that center back spot next to miles Robinson is now up for grabs. So I'd be really curious to see how Cameron Carter Vickers comes in. I know Eric Palmer Brown also got the call call up as well too. He's someone who hasn't been on the team as much, but he's got a ton of potential, obviously. Um, you guys and think then, that both center back positions are up for grabs? I mean, Zimmerman played his ass off during qualifier. I, I, I think Zimmerman's but, played himself into a role. Into it, right? I kind of, I, 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 I got has. the same vibe. I think he has. Yeah. So I think that left side center back role is is up for grabs right now. So, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to echo what Mike said there. I, I love the fact that we're giving all these guys an extra opportunity. At first, I was a little disappointed to see some of these more mainstay names like Timothy Wea and Christian Pulisic and, and Tyler Adams, et cetera, be in the squad, given the fact that like I thought this was a good opportunity for us to bring in all of the fringe players and give them a chance. But do you think this is a do you think this is a case where Greg's looking at this and going, I know what my starting lineups are gonna look like and who I want to bring to the World Cup? Yeah. People who are on the fringe, let's see how they gel chemistry-wise to exactly. our star starters. That's exactly. what I think is gonna end up happening here. I only wish that it happened next game. I, I think every everyone does like even like John Brooks, for instance. I think these guys deserve a chance to show what they can do, regardless of chemistry. This first game, like, like give them a shot at the national team. Wear, wear the badge, you know. Um, but I, I get it, and I like seeing Delatore back in this lineup. I like seeing Adams holding that midfield of the park. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is a str- as strong a lineup as we're going to get most likely this yeah. in the year. I think it's good, he, to Vito's point, he has the core that he wants and he wants to see how everyone else yeah. relates with them. And I think that's exactly the way he should do it, at least for these next couple games. Let me ask you something. I, I want to take a, a moment and, and talk about Jesus Ferreira. He hasn't gotten a ton of looks in the first team. He's played, started a couple games here and there, but he's consistently on the team sheet. Do you think, what do you think Greg ranks him in terms of the forward options and the number nines? Because regardless, even, even if he's not playing at three games at a time during a cycle, he seems to be getting a call up week in, week out. So he's actually playing really well for Dallas right now. Um, I think I want to say he has 11 starts, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 12 appearances, somewhere in that range. And he has like nine goals, two assists. We basically like won yeah. a game. I think he had a hat trick thrown in there as well, though, at one point. But regardless, yeah. you're averaging that. It's... For, for as wide open as a number nine is, and this guy's producing the same thing with Haji, like there's a reason he's in that lineup right now. It's because he's scored in, I want to say, seven straight now at this point. Yeah, you bring in the hot hand. Let's see. Like, we, like there's no one that I won't look at for our striker position right now. I, I agree. Like, you got to look at everything. You got to turn over every rock as much as possible. Let's go get Josie back. That's all. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they'll resort to that. <laughs> you know, you know what I want. You know the form jersey I want. I want the 2014 like friendlies before the World Cup. I want that jersey. Yeah. That jersey was on fucking real. Absolute bulldozer in those years, dude. And then go and then goes down the hamstring 30 minutes oh. into like, the first match. Oh my god, brutal man, brutal. And then Bradley too. Bradley had the best, like best, like half a year building up to that World Cup, and just got completely overshadowed by Jermaine Jones. Yep. And then went out the the shitter. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we don't touch upon that. Sore subject for all all time. Um. Anything else about the U.S. guys? I I, like. I'm I'm pretty happy with the line for the most part. I'm really not too upset by the snubs other than Brooks. Um. Maybe Buzio if you want to get like really technical. I I mean, he just got relegated. I think maybe he just mentally, if I'm not mistaken, Venezia did right. Yeah, because you have Richie. Uh, I always mess up his Lazemba or something. I forget how you say his last name over at PSV too. Uh, he just come back from injury and had to, you know, he said he basically him and Greg agreed he really wasn't too fit. He wanted to get like it's a little healthier and stuff. I think it's the right lineup. I don't see. I don't have any issues besides the Brooks issue, to be honest. So. And also the quality of the opposition too. They're playing. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be a perfect testing ground for them. Uruguay, Morocco. Um, who else? It's um, or is it just those two? No, there's there's uh, with the, with the Nations League too. Yeah, and the Nations League. Yeah. Oh, so, as well. Yeah. Look, so there are games to play for. So it's good to have we we do have some, a lot of starters in there as well. Yeah. And look, beggars can't be choosers. There was a time where we would have killed to have headaches in uh, in starting lineup selections like this, right? So. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Take we we, 
We used to just pray we had one guy, one guy from Europe being able to fill yeah. a spot. It was like, please let Tim Howard start. Please let Tim Howard start. <laughs> let's uh, let's head over to the Premier League too, though. We have a bunch to talk about it there as well. Um, just quick recap of what happened over the past week. Chelsea secured third place for Champions League after Arsenal's defeat. Um, Everton will remain in the Premier League. They avoid relegation. Um, dramatic 3-2 comeback against Crystal Palace after being down mm-hmm. 2-0. And to start the comeback, would have this has to be plus 50,000 odds on this one. <laughs> Michael King, Michael King with the first goal to, to uh, revitalize the team. And uh, he might have cost him 10 points, but he got a big three right there for him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sport Spurs a point away from the Champions League. Mike, he's down with them many times this season. Was we have it on video? Um, <laughs> good for them. It's in their own hands. They're facing Norwich, but I heard there's a slight, slight stomach bug going around the uh, group. A little food poisoning action. Oh, yeah, supposedly. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, title race is still on. Liverpool won as Man City drew, uh, 2 2 to West Ham. So we will go into the last uh, match week with a potential, you know, turn. And then we have Leeds and Burnley level on points. Burnley head on goal differential, much larger goal differential, and uh, one match to go as well. So that is the main storylines we have, and quite a few of them. Any matches you guys want to touch upon specifically from last week that uh, played into it? Um, I'd say the one I would want to touch on, obviously, is the Everton, um, the Everton Crystal Palace game. Obviously, Everton amazing win, great for them to come back in front of their fans. I will say the one thing. I do have an issue with and I do want to address in that game is the fans storming the field. And I know we've brought this subject up plenty of times before earlier, especially in the French league when this was happening, but at a certain point, I'm, I'm sorry, they have to deduct points for teams that allow this shit to happen because it is not safe for the players. It's not safe for the safe for the coaching staff, anyone involved on that field. And there was videos going around social media too of fans running up to players kind of grabbing them by their face. One person went up to Patrick Vieira, was flipping them off. And then yeah. Patrick Vieira retaliated by kicking the fan and realized what he did. I mean, at a certain point, someone's going to get like taken way too far. And uh, I'm sorry, like it's got to, I understand the emotions are high, but it's got to, got to, got to stop at the end of the day. I agree with you. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I was going to touch on that Patrick Vieira piece, but you hit it right in the head. The only unfortunate consequence or side effect of all this is there's literally no way to stop 30,000 people in no. a field. Yeah, so it's no, like, exactly. I, there's nothing you can do, unfortunately. Like, unless you're going to play these games behind closed doors, like the passion is there. It, I think it'd be a worse scenario if Everton went down and all of their fans stormed the field and they started beating <laughs> people. But that, yeah, that at least mean. it's a happy emotion in this stage. You know? But I mean, all, all it takes is one person to swipe back, right? Like, you it'll know, be put fence i'm just i'm just saying like i, all, I agree all with you like, i agree with you there's just no way to stop one person smuggles in some type of weapon and then all of a sudden like someone gets stabbed or something you know like well hopefully they get caught at the door i mean they, they literally bring in they really bring in flares and throw them under the field yeah. you know, so. i know it's good for everton man their, their run continues in the top flight outside of that the only game i wanted to touch upon was west ham man city Man City, could just I don't know whether to applaud them. What's up? They could just turn it the fuck on whenever they want. Like, like yeah. that halftime talk that they get, like Pep must have given. I don't know, but I'm going to fuck your wives. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> no, but like, see, in all seriousness, sorry for that language, by the way. Um, in all seriousness, um, I don't know whether to applaud Man City or to scratch my head over that performance. Like, you knew what was on the line. That was 
not your last difficult opponent because Aston Villa in their own right are a very strong opponent. But that was their biggest challenge, biggest hurdle. And to go down 2-0 in the first half is horrific. To make it up and come back 2-2 in the second half is unbelievable. And to miss a penalty in the last couple minutes yeah. is horrific. Like, it was just such a whirlwind of emotions. And that's not something you typically see of this city side. So I don't know. What what you guys make of that performance on their, their part? Um, Hell of a game as a whole. Yeah. Like, from a neutral perspective, that was fun to watch like that that was very enjoyable like it had every emotion on that game you have you have west ham going up big 2-0 right before halftime bowen's playing out of his damn mind what man city scores immediately after halftime you knew like the second that happened you're like oh here we go three two oh. four two man city like you knew it was like you knew something was going to happen and it just went back and forth and west ham still a chance to put that game away like antonio could have had one or two himself like there was still it was so wide open it was everything we want to see out of that game and i was very happy to watch it um you can fault Man City for being that close, but like for a team that comes to play every single time, like it, West Ham's not a not a bad opponent. Like they're good. Like they can beat anyone on any given day in any league. Almost got the Europa League final. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I, I don't really fault Man City necessarily away for that. I don't think a point away if, given that we're at the tail end of the title race, then yeah, like you like they need to pick up three points. But if you told me in January they went to West Ham and drew two two, would you consider that a bad result? Not entirely. No. This right. season I would though. So what's on the line? I, I don't no, know. But I'm saying like like what's like given the scenario of what they have right now, yeah, you don't want to see a point. But I'm just like in a if this was December, like Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, look, this is setting up such a storybook ending. We've been saying it for weeks that they have to go play Aston Villa on the last day of the season. Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard yeah. about to Aston fucking Aston suit up. He's going to he's gonna sub himself in. <laughs> in the he, was getting peppered press, by he was getting peppered with questions by the press. Like, the media is killing him. Come oh. on. I mean, it's there. Like, you, like it's, you have to. Do you think this result does enough to, like, put serious, serious, serious pressure on Man City? Or do you think they oh, – I guess we can touch upon it in previews, but – yeah. This is a high level now before yeah. we do it. Abso- absolutely. Yes no? The, pre- the pressure is on 100%. Eve pressure is on. Yes, you have, you have, you have to win. You, you, have, you, have, half, you have to win this game. Yeah. There's no other option. All right. have, if you draw. This game's going to play out one of two ways. Yeah. They drop three or four goals in the first half and just solidify it right away. Or there might be a dogfight to the bitter end and they're going to have to pull a late goal. Oh my God! Imagine we got an ending like when City won their first Premier League title, where you Aguero had it, and it's going the opposite way. Aston Villa storms back and scores three goals against Man City. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, uh, Gerard Hattrick. It's, it's going to be an unbelievable ending to the season, either yeah. way. So, agreed, agreed. Uh, the only other game I probably touch upon uh, a little earlier in the week, though, the obviously the North London derby that swung the tide uh, for the Champions League. Spurs three 0 over Arsenal. Um, Arsenal had a really bad week, two losses. They still could have had, if they, you know, beat Newcastle, they still had it in their own they, hands. But they they looked bad. I'm sorry. They looked bad, bad against Newcastle. Like bad, bad. Like had, yeah. Like real, real bad. And that's, do you think Newcastle that, also looked that good though? And like, are you scared about what they're going to do over a 38 game stretch now? Uh, honestly, a little bit. Specifically, Bruno Gumares, that oh they signed from Leon. That dude is, this, he's unbelievable. He's, he's absolutely unbelievable. I think you give them another season, let them pump their money in as they're going to pump it in, unfortunately. But good God, they're going to be – they will be good. 
Like, I don't know. I think they make Europa next year, if not the very, very least conference league. And then after that, they, they have serious ambitions to go to Champions League. Yeah, I would agree. Two years. Give it two years. Yeah, I think conference league is a fair thing. If, if I'm worried about Newcastle, I'm, I'm either – I'm, I'm Villa – I'm Leicester, I'm Wolves, I'm Everton. Those are the those are the people I'd be worried about at that point in time. I mean, they're look, they're not going to make Europa League. I'm sorry. I don't care how how much money they're going to pump into this team this year. There's no way they're going to be a better overall squad than an Antonio Conte coached Aston Villa or City, Spurs, Chelsea, even Arsenal to this point because they're probably going to go out and get a number nine. I think Conference League is the goal that or bust. I think Europa is overachieving in my opinion. I think it's too soon. I don't have I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you took their January t- transfer window afterwards until the end of the season and yeah. you took it just straight points, they it's gotta be top five in the league. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Let me see here. I think I have it. See so yeah, if you could pull that up, that'd be awesome. I'm just curious, but they can pull that off for the entire stretch of a season. That's they're gonna be pushing. Yes, though, man, that's a big ask. Only the top teams in the world have ever done something like that. Bro, Leicester, 17th place, the champions. Yeah, but all the other teams were faltering. That wasn't – like, they didn't end up with a 90-point They picked the perfect year to do it. There's no year. doubt. Tottenham was in second. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they're going to be a problem next next within the next year to 100%. Um, but going back to the other point, Arsenal looked horrendous after the North London derby. Yeah. Um, they definitely need to get a number nine as soon as possible. So be interesting to see who they sign over the summer. What na- what big names are kind of available, and uh, do you think they could actually sign? Because they're going to be they're going to be Europa League next year. So Isak is available. They've been linked to in the past. Apparently, Darwin Nunez, the uh, Benfica striker, is available, but he also just turned down Manchester United. I don't think he's going to play for Arsenal. Unfortunately, they're not in Champions League, so he'll probably turn them down realistically. <laughs> He apparently turned down United. See that. I'm yeah. surprised. Get a chance to play with Ronaldo. Interesting. Apparently, he turned him down. So him, Victor Oshiman, who I think if they did pick him up, probably a pretty good pickup if they could. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, who they're going to pay a fuck ton of money for if they get him, and I don't think he's worth the sixty. I don't think he's. I don't think he's worth that at all. So I think if they're going to get anybody, I think Oshiman if they could would probably be the best option. I know I said previously, Jesus, just because of his link up play and Arteta connections with Pep. But I think if you look at the price, for what you get for Oshiman versus Jesus, now that that price tag for Jesus has come out, it's a no brainer to go Oshiman if you can. Let, let me ask you, so I don't want to get too far off track here, but just a thought, if you're Arsenal, how serious are you at looking at even Tony? I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think he would fit what they're doing. I, I don't think so either. No, I could see, I could see why you're thinking that, but I don't. If you put him in ours, I just wouldn't see. Yeah, the production. I, I don't know. I was just curious. I'm thinking about a striker on the cheap with Premier League experience now as a historical goal scorer. I agree, but I was just curious. I don't know. Now you got me thinking about it. I mean, the the big thing he's missing on Brentford is kind of is is um, service, right? He's finishing when he when he gets the opportunities. It feels like. Maybe uh, it could. It, you can pick up that Giroud role as kind of a linkage player, who also can strike at the same time. Quick, strong. I think he's. I think he's worth a look. Hell, if the price is right, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Brent Benford would sell if the price is right. <laughs> Thirty-five million. They'll, they'll sell. They'll sell anybody for the price. <laughs> yeah. It's like fucking Bob Barker out here. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
Price is Wrong, Bobby. I watched it the other night, Greg Bowie. Sorry. All right, let's head into the final match week. This is the preview some of the matches, what we got going on. I'll rip through them real quick. We got Chelsea hosting Watford, Arsenal uh, versus Everton. That would have been, oh my God, if Everton lost that game, that would have been a hell of a one to watch. Yeah. Um, Brentford hosting Leeds, big one in the relegation battle. Brighton versus uh, West Ham United. Burnley versus Newcastle. That has some storylines written all over it. Um, Crystal Palace versus Man U. Leicester versus uh, Southampton. Liverpool versus Wolves. Man City versus Villa. And Norwich hosting Spurs. Mm. Look, there's only four games that matter in that lineup. I'm sorry, but it's Brentford Leeds, which honestly is a pretty even battle. So great game to watch. And when you're going to talk about relegation candidates, Burnley versus Newcastle is also a great game to watch because you know what you're going to expect, right? The storyline there too, if Chris Wood is playing and he gets to sink Burnley. He sinks them. God. Puts them down. Well, Burnley did a great job. Um, we didn't just talk about it, but Burnley did a great job at securing. Um, I mean, they lost one obviously, but a, a one-one draw, even with a red card. I mean, yeah. level on points, and that was massive because if both sides end up losing, Burnley stays up on goal differential, which is massively ahead. So, yeah, I mean, that's an incredible result last week for them. Yeah, I mean, the red card wasn't like the ninety-third or something like that. I mean, it was very late on, but still, that's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, good point. Who do you think stays but, up um, in that? I think have Leeds have a better matchup. That is a better question. I, Newcastle's on fire, and I think Leeds have the better matchup in terms of that. Um, Brentford could easily win that game, though. That's tough. Um, I think I'd go Leeds. Just, just solely based off, I think they could squeak a point at least out of that game, and I think Newcastle beats Burnley. I think Burnley squeaks a point out of Newcastle, and I don't think Leeds, unfortunately, can get a point against Brentford. I I, I don't see it. I think I think I think Burnley is built for this exact moment. This is what they have literally okay. trained their this life. Is this is what they do. this is what they train their life for. The badge <laughs> is literally a fortress. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest. Like they, this is all they know. Um, and this is perfectly like you know their type of game. Like sit back eat it and then they get that draw point and then they just ride out the goal differential and see what happens. I don't know. I, I think Leeds are the, eventually will stay up. <laughs> I, I think if you guys are going to talk about Newcastle shooting for as high as they are next year and way they've been playing right now, I don't think Burnley's going to be able to keep that out. Um, That's what I'm basing it off of realistically is, is Newcastle just taking that game and yeah. we just, so we just, we, they just dismantled Arsenal. Yeah. Of, of course you have uh, to- Arsenal dismantled Arsenal. It yeah, wasn't too. Look at it like regardless of how well Newcastle plays against Burnley, it doesn't make a difference if Burnley. Um, sorry, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter how well Leeds Burnley plays against Jesus Christ. Burnley plays against Newcastle if Leeds can't get a result, right? So, like at the end of the day, the onus is on banking whether or not Leeds is able to beat Burnley or at least get a point. That's at the end of the day, the only thing that matters. I think I give Leeds a decent shot at at least securing a point, knowing that Burnley's going to have an incredibly difficult time. I listen. I, yeah, I'm on the Leeds train. Jesse Marsons, he's had them. They've been relatively better defensively. They've been unfortunate in the last. I think two of the last three games they had red cards. Um, so you're playing against ten men. It's not. I'm playing with ten men. It's never easy. Um, They're also playing an informed Brentford team. Let's not forget this. Since Ericsson's been the way. team, 
like just Thomas Frank has had that team purring for a little bit. So it's not like either matchup is a great matchup for that. So just team. Bench Erickson. Let's let's okay. all have some fun. <laughs> Brentford's got to see the got to see the rest of the guys in the, in the lineup. That's all. I'm sticking with the Leeds Meisters. I think that's me just wanting them to be in the Premier League. I think it's better with them in there. But um, yeah, other other storylines. Realistically, um, I we kind of glossed over, but Arsenal versus Everton. If Arsenal can pull off the win and at least just put the pressure on Spurs, but Spurs realistically only need a point against Norwich. So unless this food poisoning takes out everybody, including Harry Kane, Conte, Son, the fourth string goalkeeper. Um, I think Harry Kane would play unless his leg was amputated, literally. Probably. I, I think he'll play regardless. Even then, he'd probably still be a better option than some other strikers. <laughs> I mean, probably. Um, running with the crutches. <laughs> Um, How about the most Spursy thing of all time? If they don't, uh, it would be. Look, I, I was making, I was making the case Wait. that this was actually Arteta playing 4D chess, losing Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> 3D he, chess, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, like he's no. one step ahead here. Like he's thinking, like, all right, let's really put the pressure on Spurs now to not lose this game versus Norwich. And I will say, as a Spurs fan, it's not like they haven't historically had issues with this in the past. Most recently, losing their last game of the season to a relegated Newcastle 5-1. to one. That was a couple of years ago. So it's not like Spurs They're haven't due. done that shit. So. Sounds like Spurs is due. I don't, I don't even think Arsenal is going to win, to be honest with you. I think regardless of the result, it's not going to make a total difference for Spurs because I think Everton's going to play with the shackles off now. They're just going to run it. Shackles anybody. off. Yeah. Bro, they're going to be hung over as hell. What are you talking about? Themselves. What's that? Every- Everyone in Mercy's or half of Mercy's eyes is literally drinking right now and going to be drinking until Monday morning. That's true. They might all be hammered come Sunday. They might. They might not even make kickoff. <laughs> okay. So, so final pick then. Spurs are also on top four. Spurs. Um, Spurs. I, I, Spurs. They're playing Norwich against. Uh, yeah. And then Sun potentially, Golden Boot. Just saying, it could happen. Well, it's up there. Possibly. All right. Well, um. Yeah, I mean, I'll take Spurs. Obviously, if if it had to be a win or, or if they had to win, not necessarily just get a point, it would make it a little bit more interesting. But I find it hard to believe that I'm at least going to get you know draw against them. So, um, and the last two games definitely touch upon Liverpool versus Wolves, Man City versus Villa. Both teams are at home. Neither has an easy matchup. City City's going to win. Uh, I'm sorry. I think if you're Liverpool at this point, understanding that City are already probably 95% likelihood winning this game, your focus is on the Champions League with injuries now to Fabinho and Mosala pulled up last time out. I think your focus on the Champions League final against Real Madrid, not necessarily the Premier League title. I hate to say it, you want to fight on all fronts, and I'm sure they're thinking the same thing, but Klopp in the back of his mind has to be saying, like, I, I'm – I'm focused on the Champions League. I mean, they, they started Minamino last time out. I mean, not that he's a bad player. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. But I think no matter what happens, City walks away with his title. Yeah. I, as much as I want to fall in love with the idea of Gerard and last stand at Villa Park or something like that. They're playing at Villa Park, right? Uh, no, I think it's at, no, it's at, it's at, it's at the end. Of, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah both, even, both their home, Liverpool. Even Manzig. more so. I mean – I, I, I think it's too big of a task to ask Gerard to go into 
Man City and get that type of result. Oh my god. How are we completely ignoring the other storyline? Philippe Coutinho could do it for Liverpool. Oh, oh wow. God. <laughs> All right, money's back on Liverpool. <laughs> so many factors riding on this. <laughs> Dude, what a story. Do you imagine a Coutinho banger from like 25 out on his right foot? It's to... a classic curl in from the corner of the 18 and just bend one around Ederson. I mean, that would that'd be wild. Um, but I just don't think I – mean, I, th- I think both teams will honestly win. I just think – Yeah. You know, I, it's, I just don't see Villa getting the result. I'm with you. No, I'm totally with you. Yeah. It's unfortunate. What, what are they? Uh, is it three ties in four years or four and five? Four and five now at that point because if they, if they get the one. Yeah, they went back-to-back. Liverpool won. They won last year, so it'll be four and five. It's about to be it's about to be five and five once Holland officially joins. So, <laughs> well, it does it look? It doesn't matter. The point of the, the point of the fact of the matter is, City only care about one thing: it's the Champions League. They can win as many Premier Leagues as they want. They're not going to be satisfied, and they'll sign and they'll destroy until that happens. I mean, yeah. every team that's ever been bought, like when Chelsea got bought, when PSG got bought. They it was Champions League. domestic leagues, but it only matters about the Champions League, and it doesn't happen off the offset. So. Do you think the – obviously with the Holland signing, do you think the Premier League turns into an Italy situation or, or Germany where Bayern and Juve, PSG in France, they win eight straight? It's a very possible scenario, but, I mean, if you look at Italy right now, and even even in P, and even PSG's case in the French League, Lille won last year, this year. It's coming down to the wire where it's either Inter or uh, AC Milan, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, Bruce I mean, was once in a while, so, I mean, I don't think it'll be that bad because, I, like we said way earlier in the year, like the parity of like the top, the gap from the top two, let's just say that of Liverpool and City, is I still think closer than to like the top four in a sense versus like the top four to the rest of like the league or the top five to the rest of the league, if that makes sense. Like, I think anything below, like, that seven mark, that six mark, everyone else is, like, just levels below them. But then those teams in particular, they could still vie for points off of each other in, like, that top five, top six, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think Man City and Liverpool are in a tier of their own right now. Um, I'm not saying Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Man U aren't far away from that necessarily um, if they made the right moves. But, I mean, it's those two to the next four maybe a couple teams in that same tier, West Ham, Leicester, Wolves, kind of maybe like that next one underneath. And then everyone else just like wide open. It, it's kind of, I mean, it's pretty impossible to predict. I mean, so you have like a couple like strenuous factors, right? Klopp signed a new contract with Liverpool. So obviously, you know, that Liverpool is going to be a force we reckon with foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Chelsea. What's the real impact of this new ownership that with Todd Bailey? I mean, he knows yeah. historical winner over at Dodgers. He's going to invest the way he wants to invest. You got, Antonio Conte now getting a full season of proven Premier League winner already when no and one was possible. And he's going to get money too. They're going to yeah. get him money. And Arsenal came out of nowhere and just stormed back from the worst start imaginable to pushing towards the Champions League final. I'm yeah. like, Jesus Christ, don't get your hopes up. Um, the <laughs> Champions League places. So like, who else, who else is playing the Champions League next year? We got Sunderland, we got Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just, I mean, that's what we're here to do, right? To speculate on it and make our predictions, et cetera. But I think in terms of whether or not Man City is going to become a, a monopoly is, is 
so up in the air because I mean, even look at Salah. Salah's contract's up. Same remember Ronaldo's going to be up. Ten Hag could come in and make Man United a force the way he did at Ajax. You just never know. So I don't think it'll be a monopoly per se, but I think if you're going to look at it and say who's going to win the next, the most Premier League titles over the next five, six, seven years, then I think you're safe to say City. Yeah, I would agree with that. Understandable, understandable. Just want to throw it out there with you. I hope it Any does. other kind of a final thoughts heading to last weekend, though, boys? It's been a wild ride. We started this podcast at the beginning, two weeks, three weeks before the season started. So we made a full cycle here now. What is our – do we have our results? Do we know where we're at? Any idea? <laughs> what, did, what did I even – I don't even remember who the hell I put finishing where. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of us – one of us at Chelsea, one of us at City. One of, it was all over the place. All I know I said, Chelsea. Fact, I said Chelsea. You said Chelsea. I also, I also assumed Roman Lukaku wouldn't suck. So, yeah. I mean, that was a downfall on my on my end there. <laughs> Bold prediction, Cotton. <laughs> no, um, no, I, I actually have one more piece I wanted to touch on. It'll take two seconds. Um, just a quick shout out. We should have covered it earlier. Barcelona women's team completed the perfect yeah. season. Yeah. 30 wins, no draws, no losses. 159 goals scored, 11 conceded. That's not, that's ridiculous. Those are video game numbers. Like, I'm sorry. Honestly, I don't have time to play FIFA to get those numbers. <laughs> that's, like good it, that's like putting it on like the lowest level of difficulty and just like, yeah, the simulation button, <laughs> getting like yourself, like, what is it, the, the cheat code of like, oh, we just got a mystery owner, $500 billion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> financial takeover. Yeah, financial takeover. <laughs> That's literally what that is. To put it in perspective, over between January 23rd of 2022 and February 9th, they played five games a 7 0 win over Atletico Madrid, a 9 1 win over El Sociedad, and a 7 0 win over Ibar. In the other two games, they still scored four goals. It's ridiculous. You think their coach was mad when they gave a goal? I think they're all on steroids, personally. <laughs> Steve is what I'm going to say to that. Okay. It needs to be 10 to 1. <laughs> Damn. Did they want... win the Champions League or no? I think the, the final hasn't happened yet, but I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine that's not going to happen. Could you imagine they pull the New England Patriots, get to the final? It, lose giants come through they play leon <laughs> historically are the most storied franchise in the women's champions league outside of like wolfsburg leon but, yeah leon you said right yeah leon yeah that'd be a great fight it's actually tomorrow technically when we release this today at 10 a.m pacific time who they play uh, what's the matchup barcelona leon i thought we oh, just- did, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> break up bro Fair enough. Uh, so uh, all the money on Barcelona, or what, what are we feeling? I mean, <laughs> you gotta put you gotta put money on Leon and that. Hey. Just just to see what happens. Yeah, you have to. Hey, Barcelona did just lose against Wolfsburg in the second leg, though two zero. I imagine they were resting starters because they won five one in the first leg, but still, <laughs> <laughs> they gave two goals in a the game. Their coach probably they might have actually got fired. Their contracts might lost a player. <laughs> 
Some players didn't make it off the team bus. Bartholomew has seriously pivoted. <laughs> Anything else, fellas? It's about it, my man. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, United States men's national team, the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito, signing off.